Greetings to all our Pen Live fans. It's so great to have you here. It's Joyce Davis, Pen Live's outreach and opinion editor, and this is Battleground PA. Get ready for a rollicking session right now because we not only have our standards, Rajette Harris and Jeffrey Lord, but we've got the ever great John Bear with us today. So stay tuned. We will be right back. This is Battleground PA, a pen live podcast discussing the issues that matter to Pennsylvanians and documenting the events in our state that will shape the battle for your vote in the 2020 presidential elections. Okay, we are back. It's Joyce Davis, Pen Lives Outreach and Opinion Editor. And if you would like to join us, please do so. You can send us an email at topics at battlegroundpa.org, or you can check us out on Twitter or Facebook at Battleground PA. And it is a battleground, but we brought in some extra forces today. We not only have Rajat Harris and Jeffrey Lord. Hello, Rajat and Jeffrey. How are you? Just fine. Great. You're I'm great. great. I got polled for the first time in my life two days ago. Oh, we should celebrate with some champagne. But guys, guess who we have here with us? We are so delighted. John Bear. How are you, John Bear? Good morning, everybody. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. And listen, everybody knows John Bayer is a renowned uh, actual columnist for our Penn Live, but he has a long and, and a legendary career in journalism in our region. So we're glad to have you here joining us on Battleground PA, John. But why don't we get right to it? We're going to let Jeffrey kind of lay things out. Jeffrey, Donald Trump Jr., the son, the first son is in uh, the Harrisburg area. Tell us about that and uh, where he's going to be and why he's here. He's going to be at the, I think it's called the Blue Ridge Sportsman's Club at uh, 2 o'clock this afternoon. I uh, have been invited and I will go over there. Um, what this is part of is the larger campaign here where the Trump campaign and surely the Biden campaign as well are sending people into Pennsylvania every week and will will be from, uh, from now through the election. Uh, sometimes it will be the president. And, and as a matter of fact, I think the president was in Philadelphia um this week um sometimes it'll be a member of his family or the vice president or a cabinet officer or somebody but this is uh in the world of politics this is what they call surrogates and they send them all over the country pennsylvania is uh as the name of our uh, podcast demonstrates a battleground state and so we're going to be seeing a lot more of these folks and today it's don trump jr in harrisburg all right, and we've just seen Biden. Uh, Rajat, is Biden or, or Kamala or any of them coming anytime soon? People are asking, where, why don't we see Kamala? Well, Joe Biden was just here, but I would like to comment on Donald Trump Jr. coming here. South Central PA is usually a, a stronghold uh, for the Trump campaign in 2016, but let's not forget he did lose Dauphin County to Hillary Clinton. Um, and not only that, but we have one of the hottest nationally looked at congressional races in Dauphin County, which would include Dauphin County, uh, Cumberland County, and York County in the 10th Congressional District. Eugene D. Pasquale is running against uh, Scott Perry. So my guess is, obviously, they would like to flip Dauphin County to go along with the rest of the South Central PA uh, counties. But I'm sure this is also to try to help boost Scott Perry because he's currently down in the polls against ah, Eugene D. Pasquale for that congressional race. 
So well, I kind of see his visit as twofolded. I see. That makes sense. Well, John, let, let's hear what you have to say about all this. And I also, I mean, the place that Donald Trump is coming is kind of secluded. You have to drive down. I've been there because it's a golf place. You have to drive down a long road. So it's not really easy for the public to get there and certainly not for demonstrators to get there if there were any. But what are your thoughts on John on, on uh, Donald Trump uh, coming to Harrisburg? Is it going to make a difference? Well yeah, I think Rojab makes a good point, which is when you see a surrogate come into an area, it means there's some concern about that area. I mean, so they know that Dauphin County uh, went Democrat last time, so they want to have a presence there. I don't know if he's going to be fundraising. Jeffrey, do you know? I don't believe it's a fundraiser. Um, okay. And the reason, I, the reason I say that is the event is uh, free. The tickets are free. Okay. Um, and uh, anyway, I mean, the, I, I think the reason he's here is to try to draw, get this base more excited. Rosetta is right about the 10th congressional. That's a very competitive race. You also have a very competitive Dauphin County, Perry County state Senate race between Democrat George Miller and incumbent uh, John DeSanto. So there is some already excitement in this area. I think Junior's here. The sun also rises to try to cash in on that. Yeah, yeah, it's George I, Scott. I just want to correct that. It's George Scott, I'm not sorry, George Miller. Yeah, yeah, pretty you're right, you're right. George, yep. Um, let, let me uh, let me ask you this. Why not just dive right into what we're going to end on? How are things now looking as far as from your different perspectives? And uh, I'm going to let John conclude on uh, kind of end it. But uh, Rajat and Jeffrey, tell me, how how tough is it right now? How's the battleground going between the, the candidates here? Why don't you start, Rajat? It's, it's going to be a turnout game. Um, both sides are very motivated. Uh, we're getting our fourth shipment of Biden-Harris signs in today, and they're already pretty much accounted for with uh, reserved. Um, and I see a lot of enthusiasm on the other side. This is definitely going to be a turnout game as to which side can get their voters out. Now, we do know that the ballots were supposed to be sent out earlier this week, but because of the litigation, that's going to be delayed uh, with early voting here in the state. So we have to see, you know, the implications that we'll have as well. But I, I can see it going either way. If the election was held today, I wouldn't know. What tell us about the litigation that's stopping these ballots from getting out? Um, the uh, state Democratic Party is uh, a put forth a lawsuit to remove the Green Party candidates from the ballot. Mm -hmm. uh, they were successful in getting the vice presidential Green Party candidate removed, but not necessarily the, the presidential candidate. Um, so there's some appeals going on in that sense. And the basis behind it is, as you know, you have to get a certain amount of signatures and what not to get on the ballot. Third party candidates don't have to go through the same uh, the same requirements that Republican and Democratic candidates have to go through. Okay. So that's the basis behind the, the lawsuit, but it's holding up certify, certifying the ballot, and therefore it can't be sent out yet. Okay, it sounds like there's some uh, some some problems in there that's that's affecting the actual the race here and the election. Uh, uh, Jeffrey, what are your thoughts? How are how are you looking there for the Republican side on in this battleground? Well, generally, I I have to say I agree with Rochette. I mean, I think this could go either way here, and that in and of itself tells you something in terms of the president's strengths. Uh, you know, by 2016, um, before the election. 
Pennsylvania had not voted for Republican presidential candidates since 1988, you know, over a quarter of a century. Uh, and he surprised all kinds of people, although I must say I predicted that he was going to carry Pennsylvania. He could well carry it again. The very fact that it's so close and, you know, depending on the polls you're looking at, um, Joe Biden is ahead by five points or four points or two points or what have you. But that in itself says that this is a real titanic battle and it could, in fact, go either way and it could go to the president again. John, it's an and epic that's why, just to go go back for a second to Don Trump Jr., that's exactly why he's here, is to drive up turnout. Now, Rosette is right, and John is right about this. I mean, I did a, a, a look at uh, the 2016 race and compared Donald Trump's totals in different counties at random to uh, the returns from Mitt Romney, John McCain, and George W. Bush, and in every single case— um, Trump got a higher percentage of the vote in, in these counties than uh, than previous Republicans had. So it is about turnout and enthusiasm. So let, let's bring in John. Into the, John, it does look like it's an epic battleground, as I was stating. What, what are your thoughts? Where who's, who's winning now? Well, I mean, I think if you look at the polling, the average of polling across Pennsylvania has Biden with a lead, but that lead in many instances is within the margin of error in each poll. The same thing that, that's going on in Pennsylvania is going on nationally, as, as Jeff and Rojak both know. And that is, I mean, there is no point to a national poll because we don't have a national election. You have to look at the battleground states and where the margin of error is in those polls. And if you do that, if you look at Florida, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Arizona, all of them are, are relatively close. All of them have Biden with a slight edge. But this thing is going to close very hard and very fast. And I, I just think it's anybody that's in the predicting business these days <laughs> should get out of that business right away. Well, the truth is, there's so much, as we've all said, that can happen, even even the way things look now. So much can happen in, 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 in even in a week. We saw things happen just a, a week before with the last with the 2016 election. So you're absolutely right. It's it's. Uh, Let's not predict. Let's just wish both sides the best. But let, let's move on. Let's go and talk a little bit about what's happening in Pennsylvania. Now, I'm going to start with John here. John, the courts have ruled against Governor Wolf uh, closing down during the coronavirus. Now, let me tell you, just, just to put it all out there, I'm rabid over making sure that people stay safe during this virus. So what is this about? Well, a court has ruled against, a judge okay. has ruled against, others have ruled in favor. They've been with the governor on his emergency uh, proclamations and rules and regulations. It's interesting to me that uh, this came out of the Western District of Pennsylvania, the result of some counties out there filing suits about the lockdown, stay at home, and about the business closures, which are now moot issues since we don't have those anymore. The difficulty is if this ruling is sustained, it could carry forth for the next time anything like this is tried. And the key to this match is it just plays into this high school sports battle we're in the middle of right now because it also threw out the crowd sizes that Wolf imposed of 250 at an outdoor event and 25 at an indoor event. Interestingly, the first reaction I got was a call from a Republican who said, finally, a judge gets it. Uh, this is a violation of the Constitution. And within 15 minutes, a call from a Democrat who said, 
I hope you know that this guy, William S. Stickman IV, the district judge in Western District of Pennsylvania, was never a judge on any court ever before President Trump put him on the federal bench last year. The implication clearly being this is a guy who's doing some payback because the president, as you know, went on a tweeter screed right after this decision came out because he backs up everything he's been saying for months. Well, yes, he does. And, and I'll tell you, the, the, the 60 page, seven page opinion that uh, William S. Stickman IV wrote, uh, Rajet said the solution to a national crisis can never be permitted to supersede the commitment to individual liberty that stands as the foundation of the American experiment. Now, Rajat, this puts you in a little bit of a difficult situation because you've been about balancing these economic interests with this. So how how are you feeling and the Democrats feeling about this? Well, first of all, that's not true. As we all know, you can't go into a crowded room and yell fire if there's no fire. So there are instances where the where the will of where the public good comes before an individual's personal uh, rights. So you know that whole statement. Uh, it just isn't true. Um, regarding the opinion, I was surprised uh, because uh, the courts have been ruling in uh, Governor Wolf's favor, and our governor has been trying very hard to strike that balance between public health and the economic uh, turmoil of, uh, from this virus. I think he's done a very good job, or his best job as anyone could do in this situation. Uh, but there are times when you're in that position, you have to think of the whole rather than the one. Um, so I am glad that he's appealing. Um, we obviously are supporting the governor in that appeal. And hopefully um, he will, it, things will, will go back to the way they were and allow governors to do what's best for the whole state rather than one person. Well, look, let's stop right here. I'm going to come back and let Jeffrey offer his opinion on this. And then we're going to move on to some other topics. So hang in there. We'll be right back. Okay, we are back. And if you want to join us, let me remind you, you can send an email to topics at battlegroundpa.org, or you can check us out on Facebook or Twitter at Battleground PA. Jeffrey, you heard uh, what we've been talking about, uh, the, the uh, judge, uh, a new judge, a judge who's never really sat anywhere before, <laughs> uh, has ruled in favor of, I guess, what President Trump would want, and uh, that is to reign in Governor Wolf in uh, trying to contain this virus and closing things down. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the governor need, needed a, a reminder that he is the governor, the elected governor. He is not a dictator. Uh, one of the things that uh, I think got under a lot of people's skin, he he doesn't define life-sustaining, as it were, for, for various things that are going to be open. So what he does in practice is he gives the green light to Walmart, to Lowe's, to Home Depot, and they can stay open. But some guy that's running a mom-and-pop furniture store, up, oh, no, can't do it. Um, that's arbitrary. That's dictatorship. Um, he he doesn't want people to gather in large groups, but yet he personally gets together with the protesters for uh, the Black Lives Matter situation. I mean, this is the, which is another example of the Pelosi standard of do as I say, not as I do. 
um, this is not good. We we do have a constitution. He does have a responsibility to live under that constitution, and so do all of his successors. And that's what the judge is reminding here. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. And Sickman did say that uh, the limit, the way he did it, am amounts to one size fit all approach. And he's asking, he thinks it should be more narrowly tailored. But I'll tell you, Jeffrey, and I know you, when you're in a pandemic and a crisis, I mean, sometimes. As your president will tell you, too, you just got to make a decision that people may find unpopular, right? I mean, you're telling us how unpopular it was from the closing off to China uh, for travel. So I don't know. I think this is we're, we're not going to hear. This isn't the end of this saga here that uh, clearly he's going to uh, going to appeal. And we'll see where that appeal takes us. In the meantime, it looks like some of these things are going to stay into effect. It's um, and uh, and also it looks like you still have to wear your mask and all that stuff. Stuff. So uh, it, it's not an, it's not really changing things at this point, is it, uh, John? I mean, it's it's people still can't no, larger than two hundred fifty outdoors of twenty five people, right? Well, no, that's that is now ruled unconstitutional unless and until a stay is granted. There is nothing on the books to keep people from gathering in numbers beyond what has been uh, has been ordered. And yet some of the things do stay like you really still have to wear a mask. There are some things. Absolutely. Yeah. OK. All right. So let me uh, let me just throw in an, an amusing tale here. Uh, I was invited to speak to the Allegheny County Republican picnic the other week in Pittsburgh. And and I went and there were, I'd say, three to four hundred people. It was an outdoor event. Um, and I was <laughs> I was told that somebody uh had called the Allegheny County government to complain when when the event was announced, and they in turn called uh, the Republican chairman, and the Republican chairman said, oh, I think you got this wrong. This is not a picnic. This is a protest, to which the bureaucrat on the other end said, oh, okay, fine, <laughs> and that was the last they heard of it. Okay. Well, uh, well I think we're missing one important point. If I can just jump in here real quick, yeah, is that out of a lot of states, a lot yeah. in a lot of states, though in Pennsylvania, our numbers and a lot of counties have gone down as far as cases. Our deaths are slowly going down, and in other areas, they're going, they're holding steady. Um, so no, it's not perfect, but what Governor Wolf has been doing has been working for Pennsylvania. And I think we're losing the whole picture as far as what's best for the whole versus the one. And I would also like to just counter a little bit what Jeffrey said. You're right, Governor Wolf did go to a protest or two, but he did wear a mask. Um, he, did, he didn't shake hands or whatnot. He did the elbow bump and whatnot. He did follow his own rules. And when we're talking about you know, a rally or a gathering or a protest, it's it's when people don't wear the masks and follow the guidelines that are given by the experts. That's when people get concerned. Well, there was no social distancing at those protests. I mean, at least that I could see in the pictures. No, you're right. There weren't social. There wasn't social distancing. Not not that would uh, that I think would be a problem. Certainly not six feet. But listen, I do want to point out that. Uh, in some areas, these numbers are rising. And I, I think what I heard this morning in an editorial meeting that we could be looking at a thousand uh, more cases a day in some areas, particularly places where there are college campuses. And it looks like this uh, this doesn't affect 
uh, restaurants and bars, that uh, the ruling does not affect the limits on patrons at, at bars and restaurants, which is a good thing because that's a super spreader place as well. And that, that could cause us some problems. So, um, But anyway, the, the next step is that they do plan to seek a stay on this decision. Is that correct, Rogette? Do you have any further information on that? Yes. The governor is, is trying to get a stay uh, while he appeals the decision. That is correct. He says it's especially worrying as Pennsylvania and the rest of the country are likely to face a challenging time with the possible resurgence of COVID-19 and the flu in the fall and winter, and he could be left powerless to be able to strongly address it. So it it truly is a concern for me. I mean, maybe you guys feel just fine about it, but I'm I'm a little bit worried, but I am of a certain age. So maybe that's why. Anyway, let's move on. Go ahead to talk about some good news. It looks like UPMC says it may be having some sort of treatment. Now, now it's not a vaccine. I don't know if you guys were aware of this. It's not a vaccine, but it looks like yeah. it something to treat. Go ahead, Jeffrey. You seem to be raring. Well, I saw this. I saw this last night on the news and I'm no scientist here, but it looks like they have found something that uh, an antibody or some such thing that fights this off, um, which which is great news. I mean, if if they can, you know, mass produce and all of that kind of thing. I, I just think that this is the result. Of, one of the good things to come out of this is you've got all of these uh, private companies and and you know the government. Everybody is working together to find a vaccine, to find an answer for this uh, in whatever form. So when you get that many smart people all concentrating on the same thing, fairly soon i would think you're going to you're going to find people who come up with an answer to it and possibly this is it i know it sounds very good i'll say that i'm you know well, beyond does, that i don't know it does say Rajet, that it hasn't been tested yet on humans and it's not going to be available until 2021 at the earliest have you looked at this at all yes um i'm cautiously optimistic I was hoping that they were looking for treatments and not just a vaccine. As you know, there's a lot of ailments that uh, humans can get, but there's treatments for them that prevent individuals from dying or getting sick, sicker. Um, so I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, yeah. John, I guess the bigger issue here is will people trust any of this? Because, you know, they're, they're folks like me who don't like politics mixing with medicine. And that seems to be have been done quite a bit now. I don't know. Any thoughts from you on this? Uh, Joyce, you're exactly right. I, I think the mood of the country has been so tainted by politics and the mix of medicine, science, and politics that people, there are going to be people who won't take a vaccine no matter what. There will be people who will be turned away. And I'm not optimistic about anything ever as a journalist. So <laughs> I, when, when you look ahead at, at any kind of medical development, you have to think, how do you mass produce it? Who gets it first? How long will that take? You got to assume people that are, are vulnerable, first responders would be first in line, and you know, so on and so on. So I think whatever we're looking at, and anytime you read down into the stories of these developments, they all say the same thing: the middle of 2021. Who knows where we'll be by that time? That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Well, we can all keep our fingers crossed and, and at least hope for that these are independent studies, too, that they're not rushing something out that could kill people. So that's the other thing. But we got to move on because we don't really have a lot of time. So what about, all right, Jeffrey, let me just ask you this. Do you think the president is at all regrets giving Bob Woodward so much time for his book, Rage? 
You know, I would guess not. Uh, he certainly was aware of uh, Bob Woodward in the first place, or he wouldn't have, uh, you know, agreed to talk with him. I, I, you know, I might have been with uh, Mark Meadows, who said the other day that had he been chief of staff at the time, he would have recommended against doing it. Um, but, you know, the president is not one to shy away from this kind of thing. So, uh, so we did it. So it, it, it is. I think he did it. I mean, why? I mean, uh, aside from what's in it and all the stuff in there, we'll talk to Rogelio, but why do you think he would want to give what more than 18 hours or so of private time without anyone advising him or saying, wait a minute, don't. why would he give so much unfettered and to be taped? Yeah. Well, you know, a while back, Bob Woodward had another book out and he apparently requested time with the president and was denied it. And the president was unaware of this. And I think he was a little upset. Uh, so this time, perhaps he wanted to make amends, you know, just characteristically of him, uh, as as I think everybody sees, as I've seen uh, up front when I've gotten to know him, um, he's a he's a perpetual salesman. And uh, so that was tell Bob Woodward on his own heritage. I, I get it. Well, look, let's bring Rochette into this. Rochette, is this a gift to the Democrats or what? I mean, the president loves attention and he thrives in controversy. Um, at this point, I really don't think there's too, too many people undecided on whom they're going to vote for. Um, it might give a little bit of insight into how the president thinks in a sense. But a lot of what's being revealed, at least for me, isn't isn't surprising based on what we've seen over the past three and a half years. <laughs> well, that's good. John, let me tell you, before I, before I stepped into the opinion job, as you well know, I was a communications advisor for the mayor. And I wouldn't have advised him to do that. <laughs> I'm just saying, certainly not without next to him. And that's just the mayor. So what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think we all know that President Trump doesn't take advice very well and does what he wants to do no matter what. And I think he enjoys being in the presence of and talking with the people that are at the top of the business in, in journalism globally. I mean, Woodward is certainly in that category. And the thing is about this, like anything else, he'll just turn it around. He did last night in Philadelphia during a town meeting at the National Constitution Center. He was asked about it from a undecided voter, which I can't believe there are any, but he was asked about uh, the, the the being taped by Woodward saying that he purposely downplayed the virus so that there wouldn't be a panic. And he said, no, I actually upplayed it. Uh, I didn't downplay it, even yeah. though he's on tape saying that he downplayed it. Last night, he said he upplayed it by the actions that he took, such as the ban on travel from China and so on and so on. So it really doesn't matter what's reported, who says what, because he'll just come back and say the exact opposite. And most of his followers will say, see, there you are. Yes, and yet the difference here is that you have it on tape. You can very clearly hear, but I guess people interpret things as they will or they ignore what they will. Well, you know, Joyce, we've, we've, we've said before, um, when John was not here, but in, on other podcasts, uh, that one event is going to be replaced by another, by another, by another. So already this is receding into the rearview mirror, and God only knows what will be happening by the end of today, well, let alone the rest of the said, week. But that's why I said we're not. This isn't surprising. We've been dealing with this with the president for three and a half years. 
Yeah, but I'm not sure it's in the rearview mirror just yet, Jeffrey. But let's let's move on to another thing, a final thing we need to talk about. Uh, isn't it tragic, guys, what's happening in the West with the fires burning? And, and of course, you have uh, Governor Gavin Newsom in California pointing to climate change. And yet, Jeffrey, the president doesn't seem to buy the science. What is that about? Well, because the science is not unified on this. Um, you know, I've done a little research on this, and there was a, a Dr. John Keeley, uh, uh, who's a U.S. geological survey scientist, and he says it's almost certainly not climate change that's done this. And he goes through his scientific findings on this. I mean, and that that is the part of the situation. One of the problems they have out there is they haven't managed their forest. I mean, by sheer chance, my mother's sister was married to a forest ranger. So I, you know, on vacations uh, in upstate New York, we as a kid, we tramp out in the woods. And this is one of the basics that there was explained to me, you know, that you have controlled burns, that you don't let uh, underbrush and, and dead trees just sit there. Um, and that that is what they've been doing in California, and they're paying a real price for it. Yeah, and so most of this is, is federal land, right? I mean, Roger, let me bring you into here. The president says it's just going to start getting cooler, kind of like the virus is just going to disappear at, at, by Easter. I mean, again, any thoughts on whether this is working for his base? I mean, what's happening here? Well, a lot of Republicans don't believe in climate change, and that's one of the reasons why they're losing uh, younger voters. Because we do know climate change does exist. Um, we can always find someone to take our point of view, but that doesn't, that doesn't make it accurate. Um, there's a lot of science from all over the world, actually. Other countries believe in climate change. Um, and unfortunately, uh, since uh, Donald Trump has been president, we haven't been able to work with those countries to try to do something to, to combat it. But I just think it's unfortunate. People aren't, aren't only losing their material items in their homes, which, as we know, can be replaced. But there was a story of a little boy who died with his dog in his in his arms. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, there's there's just some terrible stories um, so, out there. Um, I, I really it, it really it hurts to see people suffer like that. It, it, it absolutely does. So, John, I'm going to let you have the last word on this since we're almost at the, out of our time. But is this issue, do you see this issue as one that just might resonate with voters and believing that maybe science is right? You know, uh, I have no idea because of all that we've been talking about, that people believe what they believe based on their ideology more than on any facts. And the, the climate change issue is so depressing to me because anyone who has ever done any long form reading of books or magazine coverage of this issue, which has been around for 40 years, knows that it's not just Republicans, it's Democrats too. The Congress, members of Congress for the last three decades have been told over and over and over again, the government has to do something because we're losing this battle and the influence of big big business that would be affected by what the government would do has stopped it at every turn. And so we, we as a nation are to blame, not any particular party, but we've allowed this to happen. It just it it is just a crushing example of democracy gone awry. And you know what? I have to stand with John on that because it's the exact argument I make about racism. 
the racism in this country that we've been talking about over these past weeks with the protests is not one party alone. It's not Democrats. It's not Republicans alone. It's this country. It's the issues that we have not dealt with over these centuries. Climate change, racism, all of that. We've got to pull together, guys, and do something about it. So with that, I'm going to thank uh, Rajette Harris, thank Jeffrey Lord, and of course, thank you, John, for, for taking time out of your morning and being with us today. Appreciated, Joyce. Thank you. Absolutely. And thanks to our listeners. And we hope to see, let you visit us again next week at the same time, wherever you get your podcast. And please join us at topics at battlegroundpa.org for email or Twitter, Facebook, Battleground PA. See you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>